You are now listening to the Dream Loud Podcast. Join us as we explore the significance of following your dreams. We hope you'll enjoy the ride. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the Dream Loud Podcast. We are broadcasting to you from Toronto International Airport. I am sitting here with Josh Sturm, guitarist of my band. Hello, everybody. And I'm Ben Hall, by the way. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Oh, man, what a great day, Ben. So much to talk about, right? So much to talk about. Um, we've been sitting in this airport for... How long? Collectively, nine hours, four over, hours yesterday, five hours yeah, today. Yeah, over, over the weekend. It's a Saturday, and we're just waiting to board our last flight home to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I played an awesome rock show in Saskatchewan, uh, landed in Regina, that's how it's pronounced, and uh, played a pretty fun show. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I felt super rusty. Uh, it's been a while since we've... Well, the last show was... Oslo, Norway. That's right. In November. All of our international shows all of a sudden. <laughs> With our international touring drummer. You heard him on the last two episodes. Zach Lees. Good old Zach. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a fun show, though. It was good to get back out there in preparation for the new tour coming up with Red. Yeah, dude. How do you feel about that coming up? I'm excited. It's a fun tour. I mean, it's I'm kind of a little nervous what to expect. So my wife, the singer Lacey, is right now 20 weeks pregnant. By the time this tour starts, she'll be like 23 weeks pregnant. And she's only four foot ten and a half. You know, weighs yeah. like 95 pounds. So when she's pregnant, she is super pregnant. Yes. And it's like... It we shows. <laughs> we played a show one time, and she likes to jump around even when she's like eight eight months pregnant. Yeah. And the person's watching them was like, I was just so nervous you were going to go into labor just watching your stomach <laughs> bounce up and down. <laughs> <laughs> so are you worried about... No, I'm not worried about her going into labor. Yeah. Just... I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm just picturing what it's like to be a fan watching, you know, your band <laughs> and she's like super pregnant. You're like, do you feel sympathetic? Is it cooler? Is it, I don't know. What is it? I think it's unique in the sense that wouldn't most other, I, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this from experience, but wouldn't most other female fronted bands like this just cancel a tour being this pregnant? Uh, I feel like if it was Bjork, she'd probably have the baby on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think that <laughs> I think most other female-friended bands would just be like, "I'm not touring while I'm pregnant." Yeah, not it's lazy, time to focus though. on the. Well, that's the unique thing about being in your situation because I've seen from the little bit of time that we've been out on the road. I'm sorry, my microphone's falling apart. They completely took them apart. And <laughs> GSA. I was going to GSA. <laughs> but anyways. Um, that's the unique thing about your situation because I've seen an even the small amount of time that we've been on the road where, you know, a band signed to a label and the label's just pushing them to keep going and going and going. So yeah. I could see that as like being, being pregnant as being an excuse to take a break and get off the road. It is. And it will be a, an excuse, you know, once we get closer to have some time at home. But Lacey, she doesn't do this because she loves music, you know? Yeah. And she says it all the time. She's kind of in some ways, she's kind of a downer to the to the rock star dream because she she care less about music. Um, she just happens to be really good at it and a really good communicator. And one of those ways that she communicates is through music. Yeah. And so like 
it's important to her to speak a message that she believes in. And sometimes that involves traveling and doing it in front of other people like she does. Yeah. But yeah. And it's cool because we're independent and we don't have anybody pushing us. Yeah. If we don't want to tour anymore. We don't have to tour anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I don't know. I just, I do admire her for her passion to do what she feels like she was created to do supersedes her <laughs> natural, you know, desire to just stay home and be pregnant and eat yeah. ice cream. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of interested. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this before, but what is it like? Maybe we've touched on this a little bit, but what is it like only doing the things that you love? Like what are, what are the challenges with, I guess, not having a boss to answer to. So you have to like mm-hmm. kind of motivate yourself and push yourself, but, but you're balancing that with obviously like you're only doing things that you feel you're called to do and only things that you have passion to do. Yeah. So I'm sure to everybody that sounds like a dream job, but I yeah. know it's not all roses and butterflies. It's and definitely ice cream. a tricky one. Like, and I, I was aware of this coming out of college. So I studied graphic design in college and um, in marketing and design or, you know, advertising and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I do remember coming to a point where when I graduated, I didn't have a teacher telling me what my assignment was. I didn't have a boss. It was just me freelancing and doing design. And it was a very scary. I realized how much I depend on having a boss yeah. and how much I actually enjoy having a boss because they're the one looking ahead and making plans and telling you what you need to do. You know, I, I thrive in an environment where you give me a deadline and a mission and I can get it done. Yeah. But if I'm just in an environment where I wake up and I have to just figure out what I'm going to do that day and how I'm going to do it and how long it's going to take, I don't know. It's kind of like that blank piece of paper thing that's nervous. You know, we built a house three years ago and I've done construction my whole life. And when I, every, all the construction I do is on an existing structure. Yeah. I go in and I, you know, renovate it. Yeah. And I have vision for that because I'm like, okay, well, here's a wall here and here and I can do this. This will be really cool. When it came time to build a house, I was able to do whatever I wanted, you know, within obviously limitations and money, but like, right. it was so scary to be like, oh my God, like I don't have any starting point. What do I, you know? And so like, yeah, that sort of blank page thing was really, I don't know, daunting for me. It still can be. Uh-huh. So... I think so that answers like the being your own boss type thing mm-hmm. but like doing what you love this is something that's really I guess right now real is that we have a lot of stuff going on all at the same time you know Lacey's book is getting done we're getting ready to go on this tour we just got to play this you know show in Canada I have something coming up you know in Europe in a few months and it's like all these amazing things I'm excited about but they're all happening at once and I'm getting so stressed that I'm not able to enjoy each of them individually. Yeah. And that's a big deal because like you're supposed to do what you love and every single thing I'm doing is stuff that I love. Yeah. But when it's all coupled together and has deadlines and has just, (laughs) it's all at once, it's hard for me to enjoy that. Do you ever experience that? Uh, All the time. Because I'm like you and we've talked about this where like, I'm the guy that if I'm mixing a song or writing a song, like if I get it to the point of like 95% there or more where it's pretty much like come to fruition, I'm just going to have a little dance party in my house to celebrate that victory of like winning. Or it's the same thing with like going on tour. Like I think I experienced this on a, on a minor level with every show. Like I like the post show of just like, 
you you throw everything out there you have the nerves before the show and then you're performing and that's fun but I love after the show where you you're like oh, I don't have to worry about like doing I don't have to worry about like being on my game anymore yeah. I can just go back and relax and like we can joke about like what happened yeah. on stage like yeah I, lo- I like that but whenever you have to think about um you know maybe you're doing other things like you have to worry about merch or it's weird because in, in a sense is sort of what you're saying is we get to enjoy it after it's happened right yes and it's I don't know I mean I'm I don't know if I'm a present person Lacey was on here and she talked about how she's present yeah you ask her what she thought about being at the Grammys last week or whatever she's like I don't remember I'm I know where I'm at today you know she's not in the future she's not in the past she's right here but like I don't really know how I stand on that one because I feel the same way you do it's like yeah you're excited about something that's coming up, but then you're more excited almost when it's over. Like, okay, now I can finally <laughs> enjoy it now that it, it, it's over and it went okay and it wasn't a total disaster. Yeah, right. <laughs> it turned out okay. Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, as far as just staying true and only doing the things that you love to do, I, I feel like that's a really... Some dude on a roller or on a skateboard totally just wiped oh, out man. behind you. <laughs> We were sitting right next to him eating dinner tonight. And he's going for it again. Only the things you experience here at <laughs> Toronto wow. International. Amazing. It's actually not that bad. Just had a little spill, that's all. Um, maybe pursuing farther, just talking about like only doing things that you love. Like It's a unique, uh, it's a n- unique situation you and Lacey have put yourselves in. Do you, do you find that challenging in any way to continue making that choice of like all right we're only going to do this thing that we have passion for because i'm sure that like i guess what i'm trying to get at is i would imagine that like in one season you find something okay like we're called to do this like we really want to do this tour or this book or whatever it is yeah and then like that's such a shifting thing because you could decide that one day and then a month later all of a sudden you've gotten into the the hard work of getting the book done. Yeah. It's not a passion anymore. Or maybe like your goals change or you realize, uh, I don't, I don't know if I really wanted to do this anymore. So yeah. what's kind of the challenges of, I guess, constantly re reevaluating at that point? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few challenges. One of the biggest ones that comes to mind for me is me and Lacey. I love to do so many different things. Yeah. I love construction. You know what I mean? I, I could be on a framing crew and I'd be happy with the rest of my life. Yeah. I love doing plumbing. My dad owns a plumbing business. You know, I talked about it before and like I found out that I really enjoy doing plumbing and service work and installation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I feel like I could do that and be happy. I love music. I love creating. I love graphic design. It's what I got my degree in. So like each one of these things is a lifetime thing that I could pursue. <laughs> yeah. And the part that bums me out is like I'm able to dabble in each of them. Yeah. Because the way my time is structured with touring and music and all these things, I get to do a little bit of this here, a little bit of that there. Yeah. But like my whole life, I wanted to like pour my life into one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look at guitar players like John Petrucci or whoever, you know, virtuosos that practice eight hours a day, I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to. I mean, I know that yeah. I'm a professional guitarist. That's what I do for a job. But like, I don't have time to practice guitar eight hours a day. Yeah. It's because I'm doing other stuff, you know, aside from family, you know, having yeah. a family. But like, I just, I wish that I could focus on one thing. Yeah. And the same goes for Lacey too. She's so gifted at a lot of different things. Um, but there's just certain things that she has, I feel like favor in to do. And music is one of them. You know, we kind yeah. of, with her, we, 
I guess we identified through music and sort of the way that she would talk in between songs that more than a musician, she's a communicator. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she started writing books, you know, now she's a speaker and she got to do Ted talks and stuff like that. But like, aside from just music, that's just one vehicle that she uses to communicate. Yeah. Writing books is another one. Speaking's another one, you know? And so like, I guess just dividing that time up is, is the trickiest part for me of, of how to do that. But like you were saying about timeline of like when you start doing it and going down yeah. a path, a book is, you know, we have a publisher, so we do, it's like a label for books. So they have deadlines that say, yeah. you know, in a contract that says, Hey, you need to do this. And so going back to what I said about having a boss that works for me. Cause they tell me you need to have a book. This is how many words it needs to be. We need to approve it. And this is when it's due. Yeah. Okay. We'll make that happen. And that's where our focus is. And so that's, you know, why we haven't probably created a new music album right now. Yeah. It's because our focus has been on turning that in. Right. But like, since we're the independent musicians, it's like, yeah, okay, if we write an album, we're probably going to have to tour that album that takes us down that road for how many more years. Yeah. So a lot of it does have to do with vision and what do we want to do for the next two to three years of our lives? That's another interesting thing, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but... It's kind of the it's kind of the answer to why so many sophomore albums by bands suck. Not to say that ours will. I think it'll be good, but you know, a lot of times that first record is like the one that the band gets signed with. Yeah. And those songs, those bands have been writing for ten years, five yeah. to ten years. Well, there's a saying. Do you remember it? It's like bands have their entire life to write their first song, right. and then two years to write their follow up. Right. You've got all that pressure, but it, it's interesting in both ways. Like you can either crumble under that pressure. Uh, or you can rise to the occasion. That That's the kind of thing that amazes me is that, and I guess it goes back to having a boss. It's like, I feel like so many times in my life, if there's somebody else that's not pressuring me to get something done, I just won't do it because it's not a necessity, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I like to artificially create that pressure, like uh, accepting maybe gigs whether it be like recording or playing with a band or something like that, accepting gigs that I know I don't necessarily think I have time for just to push myself and challenge myself Hmm. because I have to answer to somebody else. So I'm trying to hack that part of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Cheat it. Right. Yeah. I just, I don't like the whole follow up album for like sophomore albums. Mm -hmm. They're usually about pressure. Yeah. I mean, like I, I can think of tons of examples. I don't want to say them, but because it kind of annoys me, like when you write your first album, it's about like your life experience and it's relatable to people. Right. Then whenever you achieve success, then what you're talking about is, you know, people aren't going to relate to a song where you're feeling pressured by a record label <laughs> to write another hit. Yeah, exactly. And please the people. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's nothing relatable about that to, the, the, to the, one, the average listener. The one song that jumps to my head is Corn. You know, Which you one? all want a single say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is really funny, but, but that's that was, exactly that what was you're like talking about. five albums it in. Was, but that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's a joke song, but yeah. it winds up being cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, obviously, diamonds are created from extreme pressure. So, like, yeah. I love that pressure, pressure creates things. I just, I don't like whenever artists lose perspective of what their audience is, like, drawn to. And they start yeah. talking about problems that listeners don't really relate to. Yeah. But I, I am interested to hear our follow-up album, Ben. I'm super interested I, in I it. I think not having a label, like, I feel no pressure. We yeah. don't have to write an album. Like, I'd love to. I love doing music. And I think that if we sat down for a month, we'd have some amazing stuff. Yeah. So but I like, guess, like, the question is, is, like, how do you, like, how do you create that pressure to get things done? Because it's so easy to... 
Yeah. Just say, ah, oh, you know, well, we'll get to it when we have time, which is never. Yeah. Well, a great example is we're working on that acoustic album right now. Yeah. And it's like, I want to do this. This is a great idea. I think we should do it. How do we have time to do it? I basically told you, Ben, you just need to come over with your gear. Yeah. <laughs> Tra- just track me it. in my house and let's just do this. Because yeah. like, there is no time that works. There's a thousand other things that I need to do besides this. And that's that's such a difficult thing with um, with artists in general because it's your baby. It's the thing that you it's the thing that you create, and so you always want to make it better, or you can always think of ways to make it better. Yeah. You almost oh, yeah. need somebody else outside, like the producer or the manager, to yeah. just say, "No, it's done. Yeah. Stop changing it." Yeah, it's true. I watched. Um, <clears throat> the Metallica documentary they were talking about that when's the song finished I mean you could everybody knows well, who was it Guns N' Roses did that with Chinese Democracy oh yeah they just just kept you know <laughs> shaping and shaping recording recording and doing you know and finally came out and it was just sort of a flop in a way you know but like I think that there's something about that spontaneous which scares me you know we did that on tour we would do spontaneous songs each oh, night oh yeah that was awesome some really great stuff came out some really mm-hmm. weird and some crappy stuff came out of that but like that was it was it was organic it scared me to death I hate improv <laughs> especially in front of an audience I'll, well I <clears throat> that was amazing that you were able to uh, put that aside and just go for it anyway so I didn't I'll have give a you choice for that <laughs> I didn't have a choice you it was three against one because you guys love that kind of stuff. Oh, but. we do. We love it. Although I will say that most of the time that we love the jam, the, the yeah. bandmates, Lacey hated it and vice versa. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really feeling this one. This is amazing. And Lacey's like, well, I don't know what that was. <laughs> was could awesome. find the key that you guys were playing in at all. Yeah. I want to jump back to, yeah. if we could, we talked about being able to enjoy when you have a lot of different stuff going on. And that's... Not just like I'm saying, you know, like we're working on a book and an album, this mm-hmm. and that, but like a lot of people pursuing their dreams have full-time or part-time jobs. Yeah. And so like, how do you come home from a really long day of work and then get into your recording studio? Yeah, I mean, you started working yeah. at Starbucks recently yeah. and I'm sure it's, you know, you have to get up early and you're tired, but when you come home, you got to strike that creativity yeah. and get in the studio and it's like, you may not want to, you might want to just rest and get ready for work tomorrow. And so I can see how that cycle can mm-hmm. happen of like, I'm kind of spent, you know, I don't really yeah. have anything left in me, but I actually have time now to be creative or to do what my passion is. And so, I don't know, I just like to kind of explore that idea of how do you pursue the things that you love? Mm-hmm. Maybe when you don't feel like it or you have a lot going on, it seems like time isn't really on your side. Well, I guess if you're asking me, I'll give you... I'm asking you. Yeah. I think, strangely enough, the thing that has really helped me the most is organizing my life in Google calendars, (laughs) which sounds (laughs) Google for the win, huh? (laughs) And the reason I say that is because... um, It's your boss, Ben. Google's your boss. Google's my... No. (laughs) So the reason I started doing that was originally I just wanted to be so regimented to maximize every second of the day. Yeah. And I found out the hard way that it was actually more demotivating because then I could see every day how awfully I was failing at like trying to live up to the plans that I had made. Yeah. But I pushed through and I continued on doing that. And so now what I use it more for is more like an agenda. So, um, like with a week coming up or a month coming up, I could plan my schedule 
And instead of saying, this is a rigid plan that I have to follow and not break no matter what, yeah. it gives me a more tangible view of what my time is worth. Yeah. And if things come up or if somebody wants to schedule something, whether that's just hanging out or something business, I can look at my calendar and see what exactly it's going to cost me if yeah. I have time for it, if I can move it. That's really good. It really is. You know, we, Lacey and I go to counseling and one of the things we talk about is scheduling because Lacey loves having a schedule. Mm -hmm. And so I try to help her make a schedule and I'll do a schedule and then like by lunch we're already off schedule. Yeah. I'm completely discouraged because I'm like, we spent all this time making the schedule, nothing's going right, but she's fine. She doesn't care. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm making this because you asked me to. Well, here's what I found out, Ben. Yeah. Our counselor <laughs> told us, Joshua, when you write a schedule, you like to write in pen. Yeah. When Lacey creates a schedule, she writes in pencil. Yeah. If Lacey says, okay, at 12 o'clock, we're going to eat lunch, and it's 1 o'clock, and you guys haven't eaten lunch yet, you know you know what you traded. Like, Lacey doesn't mind missing something at a scheduled time because yeah. she's, she's able to say, okay, well, at 12 o'clock you know, my son was crying and I really needed to talk to him. So we got to go do this thing together. Yeah. And that's what I traded. So like you said, you know what I mean? It's like you realize what you're sacrificing yeah. by keeping exactly on this regimen yeah. schedule. You realize what you're sacrificing. I think as long as you can identify what did I do instead of what I plan to do, yeah. then it, it is still intentional. It's yeah. not like, oh, I just feel lazy. don't feel like doing this. Right. And you know, strangely, strangely enough, that has shifted my thinking to think more long-term than short-term. Because beforehand, I would look at, uh, I would look at my goals and plans as, what can I accomplish today and this week? And when I wouldn't yeah. live up to that, I just feel awful. I'm like, huh. I'm not progressing. But now that I can see that, like, sometimes just writing things down on a schedule, like, you know, it's, I think it's a great thing to make goals and plans. But when I write it down on a schedule and I realize I want to do all these things, I physically do not have time to yeah. put this in the schedule. So it has forced me to think about, well, I'm not going to be Chris Lord Algae next <laughs> month, yeah. but maybe I'll get there if I stay consistent. And it, even if I can only put in five hours a week of mixing, yeah. if I just don't stop, yeah. I'll eventually get there. So yeah. in, a, in a weird way, it switched me to think more in the long term. And I do remember you being very <laughs> scheduled like before we were in a band together. Yeah. You're like, I have literally every minute of my life scheduled from now until three months. Yeah. You know? And that was kind of your, I don't know, that was your thing. It seemed like you thrived in it. So it's yeah. interesting to hear you say what was good and what was not good about that. Yeah. Hmm. So exploring more of the idea of what were we talking about? What well, were we talking about? I, I mean, we were, t we were talking about how do you enjoy when you're busy, you know, whether oh, it's yes. doing mm -hmm. things you love, you know, or, uh, hey, that girl's really cute. The stripes on right there. Oh, that's my <laughs> wife. Um, we were, <laughs> someone just looked at me. I saw that. <laughs> we were talking about how do you enjoy when there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Doing what you love, but like too many things you love sometimes can make you miserable because you're stressed out about it. Mm -hmm. But it makes me think of, we talked about this one other time about a Lego piece. You know, what kind of Lego piece are you? Are you four by four or six by six? There's only, say you're six or a, I don't know what it is, two by three or whatever. So you only have six, six little pegs on you. Yeah. Okay. Once all six of those things are taken up, there's nothing else you can attach to it. And so right. you need to identify, I think that was an act, actually an activity I did one time. I was like, all right, I'm a Lego piece that has six studs on it. What are my six studs? Okay. One of them is my marriage. One of them is my kids. One of them is 
you know, music and guitar mm-hmm. and identified these things. And I'm like, man, there's like 12 other things. I love rock climbing. I want to get better at rock climbing. Yeah. You know? I like drawing. I want to try to get better at drawing, but I'm like, I just don't have enough studs for that. I can try to force it, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to get better at any of these things. Yeah. And so that was, I don't know. I thought that was a good exercise for, I guess, identifying what I can feasibly do with my time in my life. Yeah. I think that's really great too. Um, maybe even touching as far as, as far as enjoying, I, I want to, I guess, call back to what we were talking about earlier, as far as, uh, you, you said about yourself and Lacey. And I think the same is true of me. Like I'm interested and good at so many different things, but you kind of wish that you were like amazing at one thing. Like it would make life so much easier. Yeah. It's kind of the thought that I have sometimes. Um, do you think that people can make that? Is that a conscious choice that people make? Or is that just kind of maybe the individual giftings that people have been given? You know what I'm saying? As far as like a, a John Petrucci goes, do you think he was able to make that choice that I'm going to become a great guitar player, John Petrucci? Maybe he had options of being great at a lot of different things. Yeah. Or does that just kind of happen to people because their DNA is built that way? Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think this is going to answer your question. Yeah. But I think of people who are really good at one thing, but their passion is for something else. Mm. So, like, in a musician world, like, a person who's an amazing guitarist, but their dream is to be a lead singer. Mm. And so, like, they leave this huge band as, like, a famous lead guitar player and start a new band as they're, they're the singer. Yeah. And the, and the band just sucks because he's just not a great singer. <laughs> right. But that's what their passion is. You know what I mean? Like, everyone recognizes them. This is what you're gifted at. This is what you're really good at. But they don't feel that way. And so, I know that doesn't really answer your question about, like, about that. But, but I just think it's an interesting yeah. twist on... I don't know what you're gifted at. Some people are gifted at one thing. I obviously I believe that everybody's created with a unique gift. Yeah. Teaching, plumbing, music, education, doesn't matter what it is. So everybody has at least one thing. Right. And so I think there are people like you and Lacey that are gifted with more than one thing. You know? And I think you have to identify what Lacey did was you know, she prayed about that and she said, God, I feel like I'm good at all these things. These are what my passions are, these are what I feel like I'm good at. What do you want to do? And so mm-hmm. for her, that was her solution was to say, okay, God, I can see myself taking any one of these things and making my life devoted to it. So instead of me just picking one, why don't you tell me which would be the most successful? Yeah. Because a lot of people ask Lacey, how did you get famous as a musician? Right. And she almost makes it sound like, I don't know, I didn't even try to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as a musician who's worked very hard to make it, Yeah. you know, they're like, that doesn't make any sense at all. You had to have done something to get there. Yeah. But like for her, it all started with you know, her faith and saying, God, what do you, what do you want me to do with my time? He said music. So as soon as she started doing music, it was just like door after door opened up so fast. And so I don't know, I think that'd be a good exercise is to identify what do, what do I think I'm good at? And Mm -hmm. then asking people around me, what do you think I'm good at? Yeah. That's a great exercise. I tried doing that before and my boss wouldn't tell me because I think he thought that it was a it was like a trap type of thing or something. Question. And I was like, no, I really want you to be honest with me. But I never heard back, <laughs> which is just kind of funny. Either that or maybe I was so far off with the things I thought I was good at. He was yeah. like, I can't even, I can't even bear to break his heart and yeah. tell him. <laughs> well, it's important to have friends who will be honest. Yeah. Because I've definitely had friends who like loved to sing and tried to sing and got on stage and sang and they're no good. And people didn't have the heart to tell them that you're just not a great singer. That's what that Portlandia skit was about. Which one? The, remember the one that I showed you? It's from the new season where 
hey, do you have that friend of that band that keeps inviting you to shows that you just <laughs> yeah. want to go? You don't want to go to? Well, you can yeah. send them to this club where we put on a great show and they think the crowd's there, but oh, we still yeah. have a place where you can plug in all your smartphone <laughs> devices. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think having a sane estimation of your talents is an important thing. Yeah. Well, you. Get, I think you get some of that by putting out your music into the world, or I'm, I'm talking in the music sense, but the thing that you're good at, you expose it to other people. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I don't know what you're, I don't know what exactly what you're referring to whenever you say... Uh, about some of these people but the first thing I think of is American Idol and like how they yeah. have the f- completely awful failed auditions oh, where yeah. you're like how do these people th- even think that they're good and I, I just wonder if they're in this echo chamber of maybe they've never sang in front of anybody before or they only sang in front of their family yeah. where they can do no wrong you know? you're the most handsome kid in school <laughs> I so. think obviously some of them are just placed there for ratings but yeah, there are a lot of people that just, but that's the thing too, is like you hear so many stories of someone who said my whole life, people told me I wasn't a good singer, told me I wasn't good enough for this or that. And then they're just a huge famous yeah. at whatever it is. You know what I mean? So like, I know I say that you got to have friends who will be honest with you and say whether or not you're good, but I know a ton of stories where everybody said they weren't good Wow. and they still made it and they're, you know, phenomenons. That's awesome. Um, so it kind of puts us back to square one. I don't really know what to do with that one. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I think talking about, like, I guess comparing and contrasting, like, the person that's, like, amazing at one particular thing versus somebody that's equally talented in a lot of different things, maybe not amazing at any one of them. Uh, personally, for me, I found I'd love, I'd love to hear you chime in on this and maybe talk about what Lacey has done. But And I think you did a little bit. But... For me, I've found that it can get super overwhelming, even in the, in the sense of like, I want to do the best with all these talents that I have. And so I found myself getting overwhelmed with like, oh, I might be hitting these three areas really well, but I'm totally neglecting the other three. Yeah. And I've had to, as I've gotten older, learn to deal with or be okay with just focusing on one area and then filling out the rest as I have time and just not worrying that I'm neglecting some of those areas. I've just found it's worked better to really pick one thing to focus in on and spend like a season, whether that's three months or a year or longer, really honing that skill so you can make some progress. Then you can kind of, I've honestly kind of done that with bass. Hmm. Like I hit bass like super hard when I was in high school and college. And now, I don't want to say I'm coasting because I still like learn new things, yeah. but I'm not putting in the time that I used yeah. to. I'm spending all my time mixing and working on that type of a thing. And yeah. I just think that model has worked well for me. So can you talk about that a little bit? Maybe what you found has worked and what Lacey has done? Well, it's interesting. That's what her new book is about. It's mm. called The Return. You know, it's about it's what do we- <laughs> It's on Amazon. Available on Amazon at <laughs> www.amazon.com slash t- 476%. <laughs> Um, but you know, and this is obviously a religious perspective on this, but like going back to the talents that God gives us, there's a parable that Jesus tells and he says, you know, a person was given two talents and he invested them and he got two more talents. So he ended up with four. Another person took his talent and he buried it in the ground. You know, they're talking about coins in this, but like, it was like, okay, somebody's given you something. What did you do with it? Yeah. They gave you two talents. You created four talents. He's like, okay, you, uh, Congratulations, you did a great job with that. Yeah. But the person who had, you know, six talents, but he put them all underground, didn't do anything with them. 
he kind of rebukes him and says, you fool. And he takes those and gives them to the other guy. Yeah. And so I don't think the quantity of talents is what we're talking about. I think just stewarding them, you know, and I think that you stewarding your base playing early on and really honing that in allowed you to be able to take a break from that to pursue other things that are really important for your future. Mm -hmm. And so while I don't see it as neglect right now, because you established a, you know, a foundation in that Mm -hmm. you're an amazing bass player, you know, thanks buddy. (laughs) I love playing with you, Ben. But like, it's cool because now you can work on music production. You can work on podcasts. You can work yeah. on other stuff like that because you don't have to. And I still believe in honing your craft your entire life. You're never finished. Right. You know, type of thing. So um, what was the question again? Well, I was just talking about me personally saying that I found that focusing on one talent yeah, and then filling in the rest and being okay with Neglect is maybe the wrong word, but yeah. just not focusing on the other yeah. ones while you really hone in on one has worked better for me yeah. than just trying to equally pursue everything at the same time. Yeah, that's never worked for me. And I don't know that they are conscious. Sometimes they're conscious decisions, but I feel like it's like seasons. Yeah. I feel like it's a season where like, this is just a season of music. This is just a season of writing. This is a season of touring. Um, and so there are some times where I'm intentionally creating those seasons but sometimes the seasons just happen you know what yeah. i mean and it's like i'm just kind of going where the wind's blowing yeah which sounds a little bit aloof i'm not i'm not the best at, at planning and saying this is what i want to do with 2018 yeah. but i feel like i'll sense something happening and then i'll be like okay that's i'm yeah. pretty sure that's what i'm supposed to be doing right now so i'll start focusing on that and most times that means yeah i'm neglecting one thing or another you know it's like music i haven't hardly got to do any music in the last three months my yeah. focus has really been on my family, and I felt like that was was intentional, our decision to come off a tour, to be home, that I wanted to put a lot of focus and attention on being home, raising the kids, kind of getting them set up with school, and just focusing on being a family at home. Yeah. And so I can see that season not coming to an end, but I see the season. Obviously, we have a tour coming up, you know, in a couple of weeks. But, like, that season's going to be different. And so I'm thankful that I took that time to do mm-hmm. that while we're home, and now I'm shifting my... And that's the hard part, too, is shifting. Shifting, yeah. Because it's obviously comfortable. You know, change is difficult. But shifting into that next season and making that transition, I think, is really important and tricky. Yeah, that can be that can be really tricky. And, you know, while you were saying that, I was thinking that's oftentimes, I think, why musicians can come off as being aloof because they're more sensing type of individuals yeah so they're they're picking up on like oh the season's changing so i'll shift into this yeah and they may be more in touch with what they need personally to be doing but to everybody else that could just seem like this dude over here (laughs) is just like he's just a wreck yeah (laughs) i mean it is kind of all over the board but that's i don't know that's part of being an artist that i think is great it's not that it's an excuse i just love i don't know being putting my life in a place where I'm able to go in any direction at any point. Yeah. Which is not an easy thing to do with a wife and two kids no. with another one on the way. But somehow we've set up our life that if we need to move to Australia, I can do that. Or if we That's need awesome. to do this or that, you know, so like, I think maybe positioning yourself is something important too. Mm-hmm. talking about that. Yeah. And I actually did want to go into that also. So we'll use that to segue into mm-hmm. positioning yourself. I think you touched on something really important earlier whenever you said about Lacey, you know, music's not her passion, but she's a communicator. And I think that there's something really big and important to say about like whatever you're doing, I think the motivation has to be a lot deeper 
than just the thing that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that is what is showing, whether people see that or not, that's what's showing through in, in Lacey's music. Yeah. It's the depth of the thought and the conviction and the passion for everything. And it's something, it's something so deep that it can't be, it's authentic. Yeah. It can't be faked. How do people go about recognizing that, that sort of a thing in their own life? Because you can't manufacture that thing. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of bands try to manufacture that. There's nothing more uncomfortable than watching a band pr pretend like they're being passionate about a song. Yeah. And you can tell they're just trying to conjure up, this is what passion looks like. This is how I hold the microphone. And this is how I make a guttural noise when I'm, when I'm being passionate about something. Yeah. And like some people buy that and they're like, yeah, that's... And then there's other people, I just, you can see right through it. And yeah. it's usually... Not always, but sometimes then you see someone who's actually communicating with passion, authentic passion, and you're just drawn to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not acting. It's just literally who they are. Yeah. And that's what people are drawn to in Lacey is like, they're like, no, she means it. She means every word she says. She means every song, every note she sings. And it's absolutely true. Whether she's at home or whether she's on stage, she will not sing it unless she believes it 100%. And so I would just say don't tr pretend to be passionate because I think that's actually I heard Casey Neistat talk about this he talked Who's about that? he's the famous blogger oh, from okay. New York City who rides a skateboard around but he talked about one of the biggest um, most alluring things now is authenticity and our, yeah. this generation can see through when you're not being authentic they can see through it better than ever yeah. and they'll reject you immediately when they can tell you're not authentic about what you're doing and hmm. so yeah identifying what are you passionate about and that could be, you know, uh, health, fitness, yeah. something like that. But like finding out what you're passionate about, because if you're just trying to do something, um, I think it's going to, it's going to flop because it's just not, even if you're good at it, to be honest, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can be a really great singer and sing a song without passion and just, it doesn't move anybody. Yeah. Cause that's what art is about. It's about making somebody feel something that they don't, they didn't create themselves or, yeah. You know, um, I heard a really great podcast episode with the guys from the Six Figure Home Studio. They interviewed Billy Decker. He's that number one. He has 14, or 13 at least, maybe 14 number one singles on the Billboard chart. That's all. Mixing engineer, yeah. <laughs> uh, mixing engineer and country music genre. And they had him on the show and they were asking him, you know, like, being a mixing engineer, like a lot of people think that as like, the stereotype is the, the cave dweller. Yeah. You know, he just sits in his mixing cave all, all day and like he looks dirty and like hasn't showered. <laughs> yeah. and, but it's actually, that type of work is a lot more networking and interpersonal than you might think from the outside because the connections are as important or more important than the analytical. And so they asked him on the show, you know, how much do you think, you know, your, pers your interpersonal skills played into, you know, how successful you are today. Yeah. And he said, 99% of my success is all about wow. how I treat people. Wow. And I, I, and I think that's touching on now they took that in a way. And I think that this is true. They took that as like, you need to have really good personality skills. But I, I think also what he's talking about is, you know, Billy Decker is an authentic person. Yeah. He genuinely cares about the people that he works with. And I think that people are, are drawn to that. And, yeah. and, and that's like the missing piece in a lot of people that are like very talented, but just can't get yeah. anywhere with it. Well, so I graduated from Penn State with my graphic design degree. Yeah. 
And part of Penn State's program is they make you take a lot of business classes, a lot of communications mm. classes as prerequisites. And the reason is because if you're a great artist, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you don't know how to market yourself, if you don't know how to talk to a client, if you don't know how to talk to a boss or in front of people, then you may not get anywhere. It's yeah. like the art is the only half of it. So like, I mean, that goes for musicians who are great musicians, but probably terrible managers. So they need to hire a manager to help right. book gigs and stuff like that. So I definitely think that's an important thing that the other half of it is the, you know, you're good at what you create, but you're also your personality is what sells it as well. Yes. I mean, someone who's not that great at something can sell it really well if they, if they're good communicator yeah you know a good people person yeah it's definitely something i think is important yeah and just being you know being true to yourself i I think the hardest thing about that is because i'm such an analytical person (laughs) is like i'll have i'll have a tendency to like see somebody that's really inspiring and i'd be like that's how i could be authentic but that's not being authentic (laughs) i can replicate that (laughs) (laughs) so that could be a tough thing discovering like your own authenticity like yeah. um, well Jimmy who was on here talked about this I don't know if you talked about it on your podcast I don't mm. remember but we kind of started a group for musicians and artists to get together yeah and you know being an artist musician sometimes is like a lonely difficult frustrating you know type thing and so mm. it, was, it wasn't like a support group but it was just getting together and you know just having a community based around that and like the struggles that artists or musicians go through um and Jimmy started coming to it and he wasn't necessarily a musician or an artist, but he was just drawn to the people. Yeah. And so all of a sudden he started feeling like he needed to be an artist and a musician because he's around all these people who are. And it just hmm. sent him down a really sort of destructive path of like feeling, I guess, um, maybe not defeated, but just like he just wasn't, he was trying to be somebody he wasn't. Yeah. And he had this epiphany one day like, I'm not, and I don't need to be this. I'm who I am, you yeah. know? And it was like this freeing thing, but because of the people he was surrounding himself around, he felt like he needed to be a certain way. So you can kind of get pulled into that, I don't know, yeah. that hole of, I need to do this or I need to do that because I see this person doing it and they're good at it. Yeah. Especially in that, like, I'm trying not to rag on, on the artist community when they do this, but like so much of it revolves around the self, self-worth of like, I did this music video. I released this song and stuff. So yeah. you're constantly being around people that are talking about what they've done. Yeah. And so you can start feeling small if like, uh, I haven't really done anything lately. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that yesterday. It was a different subject, but yeah. it was like this. The only way that you can sort of gauge whether or not you're actually good at something is because people affirm you in it. Right? Yeah. You play mm-hmm. a show and you can play a great set if two people show up you don't feel like you're maybe a great band but if it's like a sold out show you're like oh we did good we're a good band yeah. you know what I mean so like it's sort of based around that having fans fanatics is what you know what it's word Lacey hates that word <laughs> she's like I don't want to have fanatics I want to have family you know yeah this isn't like I don't know we want, want to have fams fams yeah we want to call it a fam club <laughs> I love it, man. Wow, dude, this has been a great episode, yeah, man. I have bad news. I think we missed our flight. But oh, dang. Well, that great news is we have time for 12 more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I've been keeping an eye on the time. I don't know if you have, but we still have like uh, I know, we're good. 15 minutes before we got to hop well, dude, on the plane. Well, dude, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I feel like we could talk about all those things a whole lot more. And, you know, obviously we're exploring these things. We're not, I mean, we're sharing a little bit of what we talk, yes. what we know and have experienced. But I'm totally still trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out this week how can I how I can enjoy the next two weeks still being home. Yeah. Getting to be at my house before I have to go on tour, you know. Enjoy the tour that's coming up. 
while thinking about the tour that I have after this tour is over. Yeah. While thinking about, you know, a lot of different things. And it's like, I just want to, when I change my focus, when I refocus myself and say every single thing that's going on is a good thing. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Then I start to. So yeah. that's, that's my, that's my goal for this. I don't know, for the next couple of months is just being present. Like Lacey says, like she's yeah. always right. Darn it. <laughs> always right. Um, yeah. And that's been a really freeing thing in my personal life and why Dan and I started the podcast is, you know, just to be able to sit down and maybe get more of a, a honest insight into people's lives who have been successful because I think from the outside you have a tendency to look in and be like these people have it all together well, it How always can I looks ever? better than it feels oh, right, right. <laughs> we recorded our practice session two days ago it felt awful none of us wanted to be there we were just going through the motions and we but we recorded the whole thing and we listened yeah. to it the next day and we're all like this is amazing we, yeah it didn't feel like this at all you yeah. know I think that's the beauty of like film and recording stuff and even podcasts is like yeah. you listen back a few days later when you have a different perspective or different feeling you're like hey that was actually really good yeah so in that sense, like I, I just encourage everybody listening, you know, just go at it. Just start start doing some things because, um, I mean, really, I'm being funny whenever I say this, but there's some truth in it that like we we don't really know what we're doing. We're just going out there and, and doing the doing the best that we know to do. But there's still so many variables that we don't know that are going to happen, and we're ignoring what it actually feels like because it never usually never feels that great. Right. So with that, with that being said, it never feels good, guys. <laughs> well, we'll see you next time. I, w- I will say one thing, though. So coming from the perspective of just doing the normal nine to five, working a corporate job to jumping into this life of an artist. Yeah. Is that it? I don't think my level, well, my level of happiness may be a little bit larger than it was before because I'm doing what I love to do. It's definitely larger, Ben. Yeah. I knew you in both and you are well, so that's full true. of life. Well, thank you, buddy. And uncertainty. And it's amazing. Well, thank you. Like Tom talked about in that episode. Yeah. It was one of the hardest years of his life, but it was the best years of yeah. his life. I, I think part of that goes along with, um, you know, when you are when you decide to do something that's adventurous and, and unknown, you embrace the unknown, your life becomes a lot more of a roller coaster ride of like super highs and super lows. And that's what I experienced on the first tour. Yeah. Like especially going on tour and then coming home and being like, I don't even know what to do with myself. (laughs) Uh, but that's also what's made life that much more enjoyable because it's so weird. Like we, as humans, we like want to be comfortable, but it's actually not what is, what's best for us. Yeah. So Wrap it up, Ben. Give Wrap us, it up. Give us a really good motivational outro. <laughs> that was it, buddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the motivation. So That's just good. encouraging all you guys, you know, if there's something you're afraid of, just jump Take a step first into it. Listen, if you Take can't, a step. if okay. you can't, <laughs> here's my advice. If you can't, if you're too scared to dive in, like Ben said, just take yeah. one step. Yeah. One and step. honestly, that's what I did. I didn't dive headfirst in. Yeah. I took one step at a time and it's led me to this point. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Josh. It's always been a pleasure, buddy. I'm sure we'll have you on again very soon. Awesome, dude.